and today we're going to be talking about Masum episode four. I guess not as creepy and dark as the other episodes, so I enjoyed it, but a lot of bad shit happened, so you know. I don't know if I agreed that it was not as creepy as the other episodes, to be honest. Really? It was fucked up. I guess we got more like sunlight, sunlight creepiness. You just liked you just like the picnic that they had uh, out on the the field. I had more WTFs than I've had in a while. Oh, really? I just had two I told you so's that I very ardently want to say (laughs) in this episode. I don't even know. What were we even... I'm super curious. I don't even remember arguing about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, no, no. It's just just about some characters. Okay. Save it. Save it. Save it for the tea. Speaking of which, I'm not drinking any. How about you guys? I am. Yay! I told Esgi while we discovered that you had a house behind your background. <laughs> <laughs> is it Lady Grey? Earl Grey? It is Lady Grey. It is indeed Lady Did you find any bergamots to eat? No, but I really want to try bergamots. When will I be able to? <laughs> we shall never know. All right, so... Now, Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode and rub in our faces whatever she wanted to say I told you so about. <laughs> Let's see for the, for the banter section. Um, okay. So this episode was weird because they didn't have the usual pre-credit scene. I don't know if you guys noticed. True. But that was weird. I don't know why they did that. Um, so it starts with ML speaking, you know, kind of about her hardships with Tadic and like, you know, it's really hard. Like, I don't know what to do. I, we need to talk to him. And like, as the scene progresses, we like initially, I thought it, she was at the shrink at um, Selim's sister's yeah, me too. Um, place. But then we find out that um, like there's this flowery curtain. So that just kind of gives away that probably she's at Tadic's parents and she's like really desperate and she's like you know I I need help I like really don't know what to do this is very difficult and the mom's like oh she's explaining this anecdote about how Tadic like basically got them banned from ordering food from his favorite delivery place because he beat up the delivery guy for hitting on her and air quotes (laughs) because like it seems like it's very probable that it was the same situation as the bar where Tadic just like randomly attacked this guy and with, with no explanation. So um, basically she's telling all these stories and the mom's like, you know, you should just like buy some fresh food. Like that will probably like stop you from having to order food. And that was how this boy was raised and all this stuff, which ugh, made me dislike her utterly more than I used to and so then she's like you know oh why don't you stay for dinner I'm just gonna go get some firewood we're gonna toss up the like grill and she's like no no I'm going back now and Tadek is not coming he doesn't know I'm here basically and so then the dad walks in and it's clear that they have a much warmer relationship and she's like she just like completely breaks down and she's like I can't take this anymore I need help like I talked to a psychologist and the three of us need to talk to him and the parents are like the dad's like what did you do why did you bring a psychologist into this like that was the wrong thing to do he's not sick what are you doing um and she's like what the hell like basically neither of them are helpful at all and she's like really really like struggling it's a hard time she doesn't know what to do and basically both of them are saying you know just like that's the way he is and like don't worry like we'll talk to him basically is what they say. And like, don't talk to doctors. Like, why would you ever talk to doctors? And the dad who was so warm at the beginning gets so aggressive when she mentions the doctor. Mm. So yeah, I feel for her for sure. Um, And then we flash, I'm assuming to the future, we get Tadic. Um, He's probably taking his medication. He's like super out of it. So much so that like his dad has to like clean his drool and stuff. So he's clearly like zombie-ish um, at, at this point with the medication. And like, we kind of understand why the dad was kind of so against it in some respects, obviously. Like the ML thing is a separate thing that we will talk about. But the dad, um, 
then goes and, and meets the mom who's getting, it seems like she's gathering firewood or she's doing something by the shed. And like, they have like a really big fight where he's like, I'm tired of your negativity. I'm tired of you behaving this way. And she's like, I'm your wife. I'm supposed to like be straight with you and tell you things as they are. Like, don't expect me to sugarcoat stuff and be super nice. Um, and I don't remember how it, it resolves basically like we notice that like I don't know I don't even know that they're probably just together because of the time it doesn't seem like they care for each other that much and then we go to Yusuf um Elif is in her bed like listening to music being a teen and Yusuf's just like there staring at her um apparently well I guess partly because he's scared of Taner like randomly coming in and hurting her I guess and partly because he's like, oh, I'm so lucky to have you and like all this stupid stuff. And she's like, you know, my mom and I are moving out of here soon, right? And you know that she's seeing Tunch right now to return the keys and like, who knows, like, whatever. And so he's like, let's go eat something. And he goes to the fridge. I don't know why, because they're going to go out and eat according to the subtitles. Maybe it's that they're going to prepare a meal and the subtitles are wrong. And she brings him the video camera and she's like, what's this? And he's like, what? where did you find this? Like, where are you going through my stuff? And she's like, no, my mom was the one who found it. And so then cliffhanger, we go to ML and the therapist again, and she's telling the therapist that she left, well, that she felt really like sad when she left um, Tadek's parents' house because she just like felt so unsupported and like basically it was a dead end. Like there was nothing else she could do. And we find out that she also left him like she left while he was sleeping and she has some sort of corporate conference. So it was like the perfect timing for her to take her stuff and leave. And she left while he was asleep. So it, it wasn't that big of a deal. And she also talks a lot about this book that she really wants to read, um, which we will tell you more about later. <laughs> but she it, it's a book that that has been lost and she really wants to read it and like reconnect with how she was when she was young and like all this stuff. And so then we go to Tadek who's waking up in an empty bed and he's like, where is she? He goes to look for her, looks in the closet, sees that she's taken out some of her clothes and like it seems evident that she left. Um, and then we go to Taner and his wife, which whose name I don't think we know yet, right? Taner's wife is Ria. Ria, oh, Ria, right. I knew that. Oops. <laughs> and so he like wakes her up and is like, let's go right now and camp, like have a trip. And like, we have to go now because then we're going to get traffic. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't want to go. Like, she doesn't want to go camping. And um, she like reluctantly agrees, starts getting dressed. And then Taner gets a phone call. And the phone call is from Tadek saying that she's gone. And he's like, well, that Emel is gone and, and there they have this whole conversation and he hangs up and then he goes back to talk to Ruya and Ruya's like, oh, no, 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 wait. So then we see Tarek and he's like distraught and he has another psychotic episode where he sees his mother in his apartment, like comforting him um, and like telling him what to do. And so then Taner talks to Ruya and is like, well, it seems like she left him. Like, what's going on? And she's like, no, she's at a corporate. Well, Ruya's like, no, Emel is at a co corporate conference. And she told him that she was going to leave and she's going to be gone for a few weeks. And like, what? And then she's like, you guys, you need to be more understanding and supportive of her. Like, your brother is really acting out and she doesn't know what to do. And your parents weren't supportive. And like, and he's like, why didn't she talk to me? And then Ruya's like, well, she's scared of you because, um, and then she signals to her neck. So I'm imagining that he did, like, he hurt her. He physically did something to her. And obviously since, well, this is my assumption, since Emel and Ruya are so close, like, Ruya probably told her. And that's why she doesn't feel comfortable reaching out to, to Tener, apart from the fact that he's kind of creepy and weird. And then we see Emel at the hotel for her uh, corporate retreat. And she seems like distraught on the bed, but kind of relieved, it seems. And she's going to have some coffee with some office friends while Ruya and Taner are at uh, Taner's parents' house. And actually, like Ruya connects with Nermin for once. And it 
I I don't know I'm gonna say something absurd but I think it's because like maybe she saw the bruising and she like understands because then she gives her a scarf I don't know we can talk about that later because Nerman is such an empathetic understanding well that's that's why I think it it would have to be something really specific for her to like click with Mm -hmm. with Ruya so um as we've seen before they're trying to fix that truck because Taner wants to take the truck up to the mountains but um they're not able to fix the truck and and the dad gets like super annoyed um but I think he's just annoyed about the whole Emel thing because also Taner says like you should we should we should help her like my brother's going crazy again and the dad's like stop like we'll talk to him we'll deal with it we have a, a way to get through it whatever and so then we go back to Emel who's having coffee with her work friends and Selim is like watching her from his room and he's also listening to the recording that um of her last session with his sister and he's like sitting on the bed probably scheming um and so then we see Taner and Ruya have like a nice moment together and like they actually seem to be enjoying themselves and like it's weird because like the, at the wedding they were so not friendly and then we go back to Amel she's she's going back up to her room with someone that she was having coffee with and all of a sudden like Selim like jumps into the elevator and they like the the other person gets off and he like kisses her like all of, out of the blue and she weirdly does like stays kissing him for a bit and only t- towards the end is like no I'm married like leave me alone And he's like, no, let's go to your room. Like, he's super like, oh, my God, like, let's do something. Um, but she's like, you know, I'm married. Like, like, let me figure my shit out. Like, don't come in my room. And so she goes in the room and she's like really upset. And she's like crying. And she gets a call from uh, Tadek, who's like, so should we get a divorce? Like, what are we doing? Um, and he's like but you left and she's like well I told you last night I was going to a conference and we said we weren't going to talk for this time and it seems like he like and I don't know I don't know the nature of like his mental illness but it's probable that if he's having psychotic episodes he's probably forgetting also a lot of things because like that just kind of usually leads to you not remembering everything And she's really upset. She's like, are you okay? Because she's worried. I, I'm sure she feels kind of guilty about leaving him alone in the apartment. And so then she just hangs up and he starts seeing like Nedman with a gun. I don't know if this is real. He also confesses that he had an affair. Wait, he does? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the phone. Yeah. But in like a, yeah, he's like, oh, I, should we get a divorce? By the way, I cheated on you. Like, oh no. With the yoga instructor. I, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, probably just isn't true. I mean, we'll see, I guess, but I feel like just threw that in yeah, there. Yeah, who knows? And he also said it in like a very yeah. casual way. So yeah. oh, it's very shit. weird. I was too focused on the gun, maybe. I don't know. The gun, <laughs> the gun was after like, the yeah, phone call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So then his mom is holding a gun and he's like, where did you get this gun? And she's like, it's your grandfather's gun and like all this stuff. But to me, it just seems scary. It seems like he's going to do something rash. Then we go back to Ruya and Taner and they're having a nice little picnic and they're like enjoying themselves. And now she's wearing the scarf that Nedman gave her. And he's like, oh, where'd you get it? And like, like she says that like Nedman was warm towards her for once and like she really liked it. And like then all of a sudden well she like gets a random phone call that she's like hiding who the phone call is from and she's like she then decides like she wants to go home she doesn't want to camp and we know from the previous episode that Taned really likes camping and outdoor stuff and so I guess he was really looking forward to it and so he like sees her go get the phone and he throws it like in the middle of nowhere and And then she's like, yeah, like, let's just go. She can't find it. Not and... the phone, though. His his car keys is what he throws. Because her phone's in her pocket the whole time. That was my whole confusion, because I didn't see what he threw. Yeah, he pretended to throw the car. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of you here, but he pretended to throw the car keys. Oh, 
Now that scene makes so much more sense. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Clearly failing as a recapper. <laughs> so then we go back to Amanda. She's like looking out the window and she's like, ah, uh, like upset. And then someone knocks at the door. And of course, like, guess what it is? It's a gift. And it's the book that she was talking about that she really wanted. And has a little note from Selim, like, I know I was childish, but I'll take it slow from now or something like that. And she's like, wow. And he, okay, they, we go to his room and he has like a bunch of candy wrappers and like eating candy on the bed. It's like legally blonde, but way more creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and so she knocks on the door and, and um, tells him like, why did you give me this gift? Like, how did you know? And like, basically just brings them closer that he like randomly randomly air quotes liked the same book that she did and she's like yeah like I really let you in because you're my friend and if I want to have a relationship with you it's not for sex or anything it's like to have the things that I can't have with my husband and sex I can perfectly have with my husband as she established also last episode um, in her conversation with Ruya and basically she's like let's just take it slow like whatever we'll talk later and like they like he really wants her to come in and have a drink and like i don't know i feel like he has a rapey vibe i'm sorry but i it's scary please Amanda, don't go in that in that um bedroom and she just leaves and like is happy like it seems like she's genuinely happy she made a genuine connection with someone and then we go to feride and yusuf um, cause like Yusuf now knows that she found the camera. So he basically like explains to her what it means. Like that clearly Taner broke into the house or someone broke into the house and got the camera in there. And she's like, I'm not going to live here with my daughter. Like clearly people are breaking in. Like people are threatening you. I don't want to be here. And he's like, no, 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 stay. Like I have a friend and he can lend us his house for a month while he's out of town. And like, all the stuff she's like no no no. i'm going to my mother's house and then he's like oh no but your mother already hates me and she blames me for that thing that happened and we don't know what was the thing that happened so i'm very intrigued and she's just like no that's that's that like whatever like you don't stay here either you find yourself also another home because like you can't be here and then we go back to ruya and taner and like taner's like mad that she wants to leave she's like picking everything up putting it in the car trying to find the car keys that he apparently threw in the hedge um in the forest <laughs> and he's he like just gets really angry and like she's trying to calm call him calm him down and he finds mysteriously finds the keys and leaves her in the forest so of course um and then yusuf gets a call from his boss who tells him he needs to get into the office immediately and he's like why what's what's going on and and then he walks into the office and there's like a parent i don't know if they say like there's a witness but like there's someone who wants to talk to him about the case and there is ruya um so that's where the episode ends can i just say that I, I want for as long as possible the following uh, pretend that the following theory is plausible that Ria walked from the first to uh, Yusuf's office and that's all she's been doing in the meantime <laughs> this whole time because <laughs> she didn't have a ride how'd she get back I think I think she's been walking for like however many months <laughs> um, I wanted to add something Sophia it was like a very quick scene but I guess you missed it that um ml goes for mm-hmm. creepy like she leaves but then she goes back and yeah. she make goes into his room what making out with him sophia what yeah. were you doing were you eating candy too? <laughs> <laughs> so she was into it she made that yeah. that decision oh fuck oh no <laughs> i'm scared for it <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so now we're going to move on into our spilling the tea slash gossip section. And I think we have a lot to talk about. We do. What are your I told you so's? Okay, my first one is Nedimin can be like she's sassy and stuff, but she's also mean. Like, yeah, no one was ever like that she's not mean. It's just hilarious. I hope that her place in your heart has been no, erased. She's so funny, me. but like, yeah, she's, I've never, I've never oh said that she's God. a good person. Okay, <laughs> fine. And then my other one is that Taner D did beat Ruya up because she's like, Why? yeah, look at the freaking bruises. I think I don't think it's him still. I think it's someone else. Then who is it? <laughs> well, I don't know, but she got a phone call from a weird person and then her behavior changed. Like she wanted to go like ASAP. So I think there's like some, I don't know if it's like something being held over his head where he can't like intervene in some like weird thing that's going on with her and someone else. But I don't think it's him. No, because she like she yeah, asks why am I well, scared I think of that the of bruising him. to everyone in the world suggests that your husband is beating you up, but I think there's something else going on that they're not telling anyone. There's like some weird third party in my opinion involved because they're being really weird about they're not like being explicit about it. there's nothing in his behavior that suggests he would be violent toward her so far. They had like a huge argument though, and he left her in the middle of yeah, the woods. But, yeah, but that didn't get violent (laughs) (laughs) i mean okay okay Izzy, i'll give you the benefit of the doubt until we have explicit confirmation but about that yet i really like the vibe is like totally like intentionally uh not there i'm not i don't think so i don't give you either of your told you so's so try again Fine. <laughs> so mean give Never. her one <laughs> even if it turns out that is beating her up i'll be like that was a typo they meant to have him not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i yeah okay i mean your points make sense but i still can't i still don't accept it like i still don't believe it is what i mean i accept it but i don't believe it we shall see <sighs> Yeah, I just thought that scene with with Emel and his parents was awful and like yeah. how they responded to her and she's just like really vulnerable and has no clue what to do cuz like as we as we saw later she feels really guilty about leaving him alone when he's having these episodes which makes sense but she's also very scared that he's going to hurt her so and we also learned that they know the family knows about the captain. Yeah. Like this has happened before and they clearly should have said something to her before she got married. Well, they, they also answered a question um, that we had last episode, which was like, how did she not know about this before they got married? And it's because like they got married within three months of knowing each other. Yeah, that's one of my what the fucks. That is scary. wild. I also have another comment, which is, I don't know. This is like my ignorant self, but like I feel like medicine and like psychiatric medicine has advanced a lot, so I feel like there there should be other medications for him that don't like turn him into like a zombie, like literally a zombie who like doesn't even speak or move or like do anything for himself. I don't know. Well, I mean, like I was I think I said before in one of our sessions, but like one person I knew who uh has schizophrenia like he knows that the medication he's given to manage his symptoms will give him cancer basically it's like a known thing so i think these are i I mean it's not clear what he has but i think we don't have a good grasp on the brain and all the drugs used to treat it are very uh i mean they're just in general damaging very strong yeah i definitely agree with that i have a lot of questions about modern psychiatric medicine i feel like we don't know enough to be doing any of this shit basically oh he's he he has hallucinations okay let's numb him until he sees and feels nothing (laughs) yeah it's like the same as a lobotomy it's just chemical horrible should ml start going to a farmer's market (laughs) she's got to put some some uh light appetizers in the fridge if she doesn't keep those there then i mean anyone go crazy (laughs) 
That was so bad. Oh my God. I love that. That's what you took away from that story. (laughs) I do think that the bar one was scarier. Like she should have told the bar one. She told both, didn't she? Eventually. Yeah. And then Jeff Depp really yeah. disappointed me. I thought he was gonna asshole. like because he was so like, oh, don't cry and all this stuff. And it yeah. took a turn yeah. for you did what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, really like, what? Why is it so wrong for them to tell a psychiatrist? Like, first of all, the psychiatrist doesn't have any like legal authority yeah. to like force them to treat him or something. Like, doesn't make a difference. They have like a confidentiality thing and. I mean, it's like this whole like keep it in the family attitude toward everything. Yeah, I feel like they've been covering it yeah. up for a long time. Yeah, there's no That's way that the feeling I get just for like yeah. social reasons. It's a huge stigma, clearly. I mean, the way even he yeah. referred, I don't know how they translated what he was saying, but he said like create the crazy doc, the doctor for the crazies, or you know, the ins- doctor for the insane. Oh, they said shrink, which yeah. is no. Is- but- derogatory but not like that. yeah he said in a very derogatory way like uh they did doctor so like yeah the doctor for crazies or insane people so super yikes super loaded drink is derogatory i never knew that i mean it's not like bad but it, i wouldn't say it to a friend who is a psychologist <laughs> you know yeah i don't know would you call them a doctor for crazies no <laughs> yeah i mean it's an accurate description no <laughs> No, I would not. Don't call people that, guys. (laughs) Creeper's sister seems normal. But also just so oblivious to the giant paper quarter. How should she not caught on to Creeper? I mean, how many times is he sneaking into her, not even sneaking, like waltzing into her office? I mean, versus before, I'm sure he wasn't really doing it that often. Now he's like, is he asking to borrow a pen? Like... Literally right <laughs> yeah, after he needs session. a lot of pens. Yeah, he's like, I just keep losing the pens. Maybe he just cleans the, like, the room or something, or like has a cleaner. Oh, maybe that's better than uh, repeating the pen thing every time. Obviously, obviously. Oh my god, I can't, I can't, I like. I feel like that's such a classic, classic trope, like the downfall of the creep because he shows that he's a creep because he's trying to be nice but he's a creep and has <laughs> privileged information it's like let me explain myself so like i thought that for sure she was going to be creeped out by the book she wasn't i mean but like we we actually have been trained by rom-coms like if somebody gives you their book and it's like this is my favorite book here you go and you're like oh that's my favorite book and then you fall in love but like doesn't she so, think I got that it. like my his sister where he lives yeah heard this like a week ago I don't know like it's tw- it, it was 2017 at that point open your eyes people. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been really disconcerting but it I feel like it is a trope for the the like the stalker to be revealed like even not the stalker because usually it's like the protagonist does something that like goes over somebody's boundaries like like normal human boundaries like hey like don't listen to my <laughs> conversations with my psychologist which are meant to be private <laughs> human boundary and they like go through like break that boundary and like that's how they reveal to the other person that they're like overly into them or like know too much about mm. them like I can't think yeah. about a specific case in a movie right now but I feel like it does happen and that's when yeah that's when the protagonist is like oh no this is i should stay away from this person so it's really mm-hmm. bizarre when in the scene she's like into it and to me the most bizarre was when she didn't like immediately like punch him when she when he kissed her in the elevator i thought it was another one of the like oh, musical yeah. dream sequences yeah, yeah. me too I, and then i thought that they had been fooling around already but it Mm-hmm. but had, I guess not I guess that was the first kiss yeah they don't know it was, was a, but weird. they clearly were closer are closer than they were in the last episode from I don't know from the way they were yeah. talking yeah. also who takes the IT guy on the retreat yeah I was gonna say like is it a full building like everyone who works in that building gets to go on a trip like I what? mean what a nice what job yeah, what? I'm not working on that project anymore 
I don't think the IT guy would work on a project. He like works on everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing. I don't think, I mean, I think, I think so. Apparently the show is based on a play and the playwright wrote the script. He probably has never worked in an office or understands how corporations work. He's like, ah, yes, IT. Just like the protector where he worked for like 12 minutes a day, had Nespresso and then peaced out. Yes. But he looked damn good in his suit. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I honestly, the show did kind of a bad job leading up to that scene in the elevator to make it believable. Yeah. Because it was yeah. just not believable, I don't think. I agree. It was, it was kind of jarring. But I do understand, like, she doesn't have anybody on her side. Like, I understand wanting to have somebody who's just, like, there for you, you know? And she clearly needs somebody like that. <laughs> and it's not going to be Ruya. She's useless. But she has all the work friends. No, but Ruya isn't that useless, I feel like. I think she just has a hard time opening up, is my conjecture. Because <laughs> then she's, like, then she's, like, to Taned, like, Let's be nice to her. Like, she's feeling like shit. Nobody from the family. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just, yeah, that that just makes me think that she has trouble opening up. And probably, like, this whole Tadic thing is such a big taboo in the family that she doesn't feel comfortable talking about it. Mm -hmm. Or she has no idea that it's a thing. Unclear. Yeah. Seems like she didn't know it was a thing. Like, it felt like the way she was telling Tanad was like, by the way, your brother's crazy. And he's doing Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. It feels like that would have come up in conversation the day that she was told that information. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I guess they don't chat too much. Oh my god, they're so they're all so weird. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> they seemed like a nice couple when they were at the picnic though. Like they were having fun. Yeah. Until she got that phone call. Then got left in the woods for months. Poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Although she seemed very well groomed in Yusuf's office. That's so true true maybe maybe my theory is wrong it's possible maybe (laughs) she did have a good tan though so (laughs) this is clearly the most important thing you know to to predict and follow up on on this show so yeah (laughs) i'll be i have to say i'll be disappointed if it turns out that emad was killed by Tadic in a fit of rage kind of thing or like having a violent episode i just feel like that'll play into every stereotype about these kinds of disorders and you know people Mm -hmm. who have these mental illnesses like I I really hope it's something more I don't know more more domestic more mundane that (laughs) leads to it than uh, than him you know going all out with his symptoms yeah but also what do you guys think about Salim's death because to me it would make sense that like Tadic or even Tanet, I'm like, I I do think that Tanet is like a weirdly psychopathic character. Like, I don't trust him in the least. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it could be that they like found them together and that like either threw Tadek into like a rage. Because now we're getting like this episode, we got a lot of stuff about this gun, which I don't know if yeah. you can go find the gun or like, but something's going to happen with that gun for sure, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, that something's going to happen about the two of them, but it, it's just confusing as to why Taned would get rid of only his body. Like, why aren't both bodies there when he's getting rid of that body? Also, like, all of Tarek's delusions seem to center on Amel, Amel's infidelity or, like, people coming on to her. Mm. So it makes sense to me that he would become violent because of that because he already did at the bar and with the pizza boy or whoever whatever mm-hmm. that was yeah although it's, it seems like the violence is never directed at her it's like directed at right. men who air quotes like are into her in his right. mind like he's clearly very insecure that somebody's gonna come and take her away from him mm-hmm. when he told her that he had cheated on her that was such a bizarre conversation. Like he was so mm-hmm. monotone. Like what, why was there no emotion there? Cause it was a lie. Yeah. I don't think he was, I think, I think he just like realized that he forgot. And then he realized that his head immediately went to 
you know, his worst fear, which is like being abandoned by her. And then he also knows that, you know, things aren't good with them. And, you know, they've agreed to not speak for two weeks, which is a really long time to not speak mm-hmm. to your significant other um, and like check up on them and stuff. So yeah, obviously things aren't going well. He forgot because he's sick and then he, you know, his head went to the worst case scenario of her never coming back. And then I think, I mean, for me, I read that scene as he feels like he's making her miserable and trapping her. So he, you know, wants the relationship to end and he thought hurting her in that way, like saying something that hurtful, like I've, I've been unfaithful would be an effective way. I don't know if it was an effect. I don't know if he's just trying to hurt her and that's it and not necessarily on the relationship or if he thought it would be like a cleaner break if he said something like that but for me and maybe it was just to hurt her honestly because he was very like it was very aggressive and very like you said monotone blunt weird mm-hmm. but I don't know. yeah I don't know I think I tend to give Tarek a little bit more credit I think he probably is trying to give her an out which she clearly took <laughs> but also she said, I don't want to break up over the phone. Like, let's do this in person. And I was like, no, let's do this over the phone. Yeah. The phone seems great. Don't go to him. Yikes. Especially now that she has to tell him that she slept with Salem the creep. Who's honestly so much scarier than Tajik to me. Yeah. Like, he's just so... He's... Ooh, that's a hot take. He has such a dead look in his eyes, though. It's terrifying. Satan is, like, deliberate. Like, Tajik is... I mean, yes, he can be, obviously he can be violent and dangerous like we've seen, but it's not, it's not antisocial behavior. Like the antisocial behavior that Satan exhibits is way, way scarier to me because he's fully in control of his faculties and doing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tadic is, like Tadic, you can, like when he's in that, in his delusional state, thinking he's a soldier, like you can work with that still Mm -hmm. (laughs) the other guy's just like i'm gonna stalk you (laughs) 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 i don't know neither is good but um. yeah poor ml she really got fucked it makes a lot of sense that you say that this is based on a play though eski i didn't know that and it it feels like a play yeah it's very uh i mean not that i haven't found it boring at all yet but it feels like stretched out like you know there's not a lot of obviously not a lot of special effects. Like I could see people being on a stage and going through this. Yeah. Yeah. You could just see like people coming on, like yeah. saying they're doing their interactions and then coming off. Yeah. Like the setting doesn't really matter yeah. at all. Yeah. Except for the being abandoned in the wilderness <laughs> part. <laughs> Guys, stop fucking going into the wilderness. I don't understand. Can't we like go to a nice cafe on the Bosphorus in Istanbul? Wouldn't that be fun afternoon? No, but I think it's not a great place to be a fugitive. I think Ed <laughs> really loves um, the outdoors. He's always said, uh, "Yeah." They remind him of his uh, first murder. His first murder. <laughs> um, oh, of God. the play thing, I think it also makes sense in the sense that it seems like a lot of things have happened off screen, which. For a, uh, it was a, yeah, a, that's true too. But for a play, is quite typical because like you. Can- that's a good point. Like the advancement in the sibling relationship, that would make total sense in a play. Okay, so I, we know so we know Eski's theory on who called Ruya and why she was desperate to leave. What's your theory, Sophia? I think that it's somebody she's cheating on her husband with. Okay. And he knows about it? No, that's that's why she has to kind of hide. But he probably is suspicious and he probably was creepy beforehand. So he probably <laughs> He was born creepy. <laughs> what, Sammy, do you have a theory? I can't say. Oh, duh. Yeah, you know. You know what happens. Okay. I do. Yeah, okay. The most ridiculous, and I don't want to save this for what the fuck, most ridiculous conversation was Yusuf telling Faraday, oh yes, there was a murderer in our house that knocked me out, but don't worry about it. You guys should stay here. <laughs> like, that was so insane. What is wrong with this guy? I mean, this he doesn't even want to protect his useless. family. Like he was like, 
he did nothing good for anyone. He was just bumbling around the whole time. Oh my god. I mean, he doesn't even care. He cares more about having his family with him yeah. than protecting them. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And and he has like this weird obsession with Fetty Day. Like he's mm-hmm. just so like s- such a toxic male. I'm not gonna get tired mm-hmm. of, of saying it. Like he can't yeah. accept his wife moving on. He can't accept that her new like lover is better off than him. He like can't accept like there's so many and he, he can't control his rage and like thinks he's entitled to it and like to show it even if it's detrimental to himself or his job or all the other people around him. He's just the worst. Yep. I mean he's not the worst because there's a lot of bad yeah, <laughs> there's a lot true. of bad people, but he's terrible. <laughs> um can you guys believe that all those salad greens were just ready to be made into a salad in a salad bowl in his fridge? I thought that was crazy. It's like, what man living alone would have all of those veggies just ready to be chopped up in the bowl <laughs> that they're going to be in? Like, first of all, he would only have like Doritos in the fridge. Like, that's number one. And then beer and cigarettes. That's it. Yeah. So also, I was I was similarly not and I don't have the subtitles on. And I thought that they were going to go out to eat. And then he like went over. Oh, okay, good. It was weird, yeah. The the way he was saying it was like, let's like let's get out of here and get dinner. But I guess he meant get out of the bedroom and go. To the, the bedroom kitchen. where I'm staring at you. Yeah. <laughs> My giant eye bags. <laughs> also that weird, like, I know that she has a head injury, but that weird, like, patch... Like, wouldn't they have had to, like, shave her hair off? Like, that's just... Oh, yeah. I don't know. And she seems like a play character to me. Like, I have seen a lot of bad plays. And the, like, screaming teenager. Like, she doesn't need to be more than a caricature, really, of herself. But see, she's a terrible Um, character. Her and Fetty, they're just, like, foils for who knows what. Yeah. Hopefully she grows out of it. She's also... Can I just say, she's, like, such a long young woman like she's just like like all like her arms and legs start so long yeah. <laughs> and her yeah. hair's long and her long. hair <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it yeah. just like you know such lines <laughs> especially because her mom and dad seem quite petite yeah and her dad is just you know if if sacks under your eyes became people <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if they got worse or better this episode. Like, I feel like there was it's a like a Gretchen Gretchen Wiener's hair. Like his eye bags <laughs> are full of secrets. They're just like getting heavier and heavier. <laughs> oh my god! Also, another uh, person who is literally the personification of eye sacks is uh, uh-huh. Nejdeth from Love One Hundred and One. He has oh he's so on the on the mafia show that I watch every week called Chukur. Uh, he's the he's the main antagonist right now, and he's bald. So he's like, it's all it's, it's Nejdet's entire it's, just face, and yeah, that's just, <laughs> Isaac. That's all I see. <laughs> oh my gosh! I bet there's like one makeup artist who's like the Isaac lady yes. and she's like just when she comes on a show you got to pick a character and have her go all out yes. at her specialty like let me i will add 10 pounds worth of <laughs> so today for our history section we are going to be talking about the book that ML was wooed with <laughs> via Creeper, um, which is a collection of poems by Meli Jevdet Andai. So we're going to talk a little bit about him and a little bit about the poem. I can start with him, I guess. So he was born in Istanbul in 1915, and he went to Belgium to study sociology for college. Um, But unfortunately, as you can guess by the timing, World War II broke out and he had to come back home. So he worked as a publication consultant for the Turkish Ministry of Education, and he was employed as librarian in Ankara. 
1951, he came back to Istanbul and he started reporting for the Akshang newspaper. So basically, um, we're talking about his poetry today, but he did all the kinds of writing you could imagine. He was a playwright, he wrote novels, he wrote poetry, he wrote uh, as a reporter. So he was um, quite prolific. He taught phonetics and diction at a department of drama. And he also served on Turkish radio television's board of directors. In terms of his work, uh, he tried to make art that was easy for like the common person to consume, which I think is a pretty uh, good goal in terms of poetry. And he was a fan of the, what's it called? Dialectic uh, style. So he would present each thought and its opposite for its, his characters. And then they would kind of find their own identities via these conflicts and purify themselves. And a couple of his works have been translated into English, but not that many, it seems like. I, I'm embarrassed personally that I, I think I knew more about him a few years ago, but knowledge just kind of flies out of my brain sometimes, especially I'm not a big poetry, uh, poetry person. So that's probably a contributing factor. Um, but I was involved in the planning of a, of a poetry festival it's still an ongoing po poetry festival here in North Carolina. It's called the Nazım Hikmet Poetry Festival. Nazım Hikmet's a, probably the most famous Turkish poet. Um, but a few years ago, and I can't remember if maybe Cevdet Anday was like the, po the, the poet of focus that year, because there's always a poet of focus, or if it was just a happy coincidence that a Turkish scholar living in the U.S. had just translated a collection of his poems <laughs> and he was at he was at the event and uh, that translation was available I'm trying to figure out which one he translated so basically my embarrassment compounds I don't even know which one it is <laughs> I'll figure it out but anyway um, the only thing I really really knew about him or have known about him uh, as a figure because I haven't read any of well I've now read one of his poems in preparation for this section, but um, previously, I, the only work I was familiar with was another, we're just going to keep talking about Cezanne Aksu, like forever <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, she has a song, she basically wrote, or sorry, not even her, uh, Olno Tunch, her longtime collaborator that I mentioned in the, in the, what was it, two episodes ago, Olno Tunch wrote the music for one of Medjevdevanda's poems that you know became the lyrics of this song. It's about taking the uh, ferry to the islands uh, off of the coast of Istanbul. And I just saw on uh, Medjevdevanda's bio that he's buried actually on on Bukada, so on the Big Island. Uh, so I guess he has he had uh, many experiences and fond memories of going between Istanbul, between the city and the islands. Um, so I, I would say that's definitely in terms of like Turkish pop culture, his most famous contribution is that are the lyrics to that song. Um, <laughs> and then the poem itself that's at, that's, that uh, gave its name or gave the title to the book that Emad was holding is called The Death of a Boat, Teknet in Udeme. I was honestly, I, like I said, I hadn't read any of his poetry in earnest um, other than listening to the song a bajillion times throughout my life. <laughs> Um, so I was like, you know, I had no idea what to expect. I agree with what Sammy found on the internet that, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to follow. I'm sure there's symbolism there that I haven't quite been able to unpack yet, but it's a poem. I mean, it's a poem literally about a ship sinking, narrated by the ship. And, you know, it's, it's totally fatal. Clearly the crew all died. The ship's like, you know, I listened to them all die and Oh no. Now I'm washed up on shore. I'm a pile of like meaningless crap on the beach. Like it's not, it's not that uh, vulgar. I'm, I'm definitely making it crass <laughs> and uh, not elegant in my on the fly translation, but um, he ke keeps repeating a line or versions of a line that um, like solitude is the essence of the ocean is of the sea or solitude is the law of the sea. And he, sometimes switches up sea and love so I mean clearly it's about it's about I mean even if you're in love it sounds like you know there's an element where it's you know you're still 
you or it's, a, it's still an isolating experience or maybe falling out of love is an isolating experience I don't know um but yeah a lot of basically a poem about uh I mean nothing too happy in there <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm curious to see I mean more of the show for obvious reasons but also you know maybe we can draw some parallels from the imagery in this poem you know a lot of like I said a lot of mentions of how vast and uh, empty the ocean is of the sea is and then you know how in a second things can change and the boat is suddenly underwater um, as a result of a sudden storm. So I can definitely see some threads that that kind of those broad strokes would have in common with this show, but curious to see how it further develops. And if they continue to, you know, have the book come up on screen, uh, I can't imagine it not making another appearance. Also, just I just can't believe that Emad wasn't like, what the fuck? This is like <laughs> a book I couldn't find anywhere. And you just happen to be like, oh, I thought you would like it, you know, because. <laughs> I mean, I feel like rom-coms have trained us to find stalker-like behavior to be like the ultimate romantic gesture. That's so true. So I think she's just tricked by pop culture. Oh, I never yeah, I mean, about that. just yeah. every breath you take by the police. Yeah, the epitome <laughs> of a stalker. Yeah, but it's that's like fucking crazy. Romantic. Now that you say that, really? I've never, I, I don't know if I've ever like really <laughs> like. I'll to be watching song. everything you do. <laughs> now I'm gonna look at the lyrics. <laughs> That's yeah, it's really just creepy. like literally every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, <laughs> I'll be watching you, I think. It All says. right. Awesome. Every single day, every word you say. Wait, I already said that. I don't know. But it's like, yeah. So now we're going to move on into our favorite section, which is WTF and Sultan of Success. We can start with the WTFs. I would love to hear, Eski, what you have prepared. Okay, so number one, what was that shirt Tarek was wearing that said Jingle Vibes? Oh my god, I was looking at that! (laughs) Jingle Vibes. Is it like a Jingle Ball shirt? Like I was trying to see if there was like a radio station on there? Suggested Christmas, so I'm just very confused, like... Yeah, it was just gray. Yeah, it was like collegiate. <laughs> like, it, I feel like it's like had like it should have had a university name on it too or something. Yeah. So that was my obviously my most uh, impactful, serious WTF. The rest, <laughs> actually, the rest we've kind of all already said, but the stigmatization of you know mental health and mental health care. Uh, you know, now I mean, no one's surprised that she was a total asshole about it, but mm-hmm. that was sad to see. Yeah. Uh, and he like was really shocked and disconcerted by what Emma was saying, like from an addressing the problem standpoint. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, that that upset me a lot. And then I thought Sadim and Emma were already involved when the kiss happened. So I wrote that down as a WTF, but now I'm just crossing that out and writing in its place, like, okay, so you like kissed him back. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. WTF. Uh, yeah. Um, and then WTF about the book thing, like, why is she not calling the police <laughs> or like leaving the resort <laughs> after that? Ugh, that's it. Yeah, those are good ones. Um, I have WTF marrying somebody after three months. Oh, yep. That's scary. Uh, WTF Elif like rocking out on her headphones and looking at her phone after a concussion, like, you're supposed to not look at any screens oh. and not have loud music after you have a Really? Concussion. I didn't. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Agreed. For like a month. Like I had a bunch of friends at Duke. A lot of the engineers were cheerleaders. Don't ask me why. And um, they got concussions all the time. And How can you be in they would have to like not look at screens huh? for a month. How can you be in college and not yeah. look at screens for a month? 
they'd have to like print everything out and oh like God. get like exceptions for classes and stuff. It was bad. Wow. Yeah. So Elif is not doing good <laughs> concussion protocol. Clearly not. Let's see what else I got. Bringing the IT guy to the <laughs> retreat. Yeah. I mean, that's lovely that he's included, but quite confusing. Oh, and then I have one that's like not really a what the fuck, but like I want to mention it because I think it's cool. The like hotel room where you have to put your key in to yes. get electricity in your hotel room. That's like very common in Europe and Turkey. Yeah. And I think it's dope. Yep. The only like dope thing about this show so far. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Sophia? I think you guys covered most of it, but I think my biggest what the fuck was just Selim eating candies on the bed with a bunch of. <laughs> he also like had the package in his mouth, but like didn't eat the candy. He was just like sucking on the package or something. I don't know. It was weird. No. He seems like he would eat plastic. He just seems yeah. like he would do that. Yeah. He has, like, I just, there's something about like his. I don't know how to say this in English, but like his gaze, I guess, like, yeah, just the way he looks, yeah, and like looks at people. Like one of his eyes like droops, and he has like this dead look in his eyes that I can't explain. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're talking about. He also like when he went in to kiss her, he fucking like lunged like yeah. six feet. Yes, <laughs> she didn't. Wild. She looked like startled at first for sure, like the way she moved uh, and then turned into kissing him back turned into me just incredulous <laughs> also um wtf ml not wanting to give her room number to the other girl on the i elevator. thought it was because she didn't like, want him to know it me too but i don't know now because then he just yeah, followed true, her anyway true, true, true. i've been on a couple work trips where i feel like i had that like awkward elevator experience because it was always with guys at work because it was always guys anyway um, so one time like one time it was really awkward the other time we were at like a hotel where um all the rooms are like outside you know and you like walk on the outside walkway uh-huh. and it was so fucking sketchy there was literally a cop arresting a drug dealer outside my room but the guys I was with didn't want to be creepy so they didn't walk me to my room and I was like I really wish you'd be a little more creepy right now because I'm around the corner from you guys and it's dark and there's a cop here arresting a drug dealer so that was sketchy that sounds yeah. terrifying I'm sorry. So sometimes it's good to have a creepy coworker. Oh my god. <laughs> We're, Sammy, you're you're imparting some interesting lessons in this. Uh, in this you know, this show makes me uh, feel some weird morals, morals and ethics. <laughs> um. Well, also WTF Taner oh, yeah. leaving. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't that say was that. Was so extreme. Yeah. 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 That's bad. And WTF, just all the mind games he plays, he's like, let me throw the car keys in a hedge and, like, you search for them. But, like, surprise, I had them all along and I'm going to leave you here where there's probably no reception and it's getting dark. And to be fair, he was, like, going to tell her and then she was like, fuck off. Yeah. So, and also how I read it was, like, he was looking at her, he threw the keys and then he was looking at her and he was like, wow, like that is so pathetic. And then he just got like angry and left because she was being pathetic. Oh, come on. That's just not a nice thing to do. <laughs> no, I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing to do. No, no, no. I know, but I'm talking to yeah. Janet. I'm not saying come yeah. on to you. Also WTF that corporate retreat because they were just like, oh yeah, I remember last year it was so fun. It doesn't seem like they do anything work related. So <laughs> why is it two weeks? You- what kind of a what kind of a like I've in my in all of my days never heard of a two-week trip to like Ontario or wherever they are uh, with your entire office. When she said two weeks, I thought it was gonna be like a training course, you know? Yeah. But it seems to like just be a it's like party. an offsite that never ends. Also, two weeks is too long with coworkers. I don't want to just hang out with them for two no, weeks. No, that's way too long. Yeah. All all sorts of trouble like Silim the creep is gonna happen if you're with your coworkers for two weeks with nothing to do. Yeah, I mean they wouldn't have even needed the head start in Istanbul. Like two weeks is plenty of time mm-hmm. for him to get all up in her business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, okay, Sultan Wait. of Success. I don't think this is going to be popular, but I think it has to be Selim. Agree. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> like, he got what he wanted from her via his spying apparatus. Yeah. Via suggesting yeah. that she go to his sister. So, yeah. unfortunately, he's winning. The, whatever. What's the opposite of the Sultan of Success? The Lord of Losers? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. The opposite is it has to go to, oh, jointly... Well, I feel bad for MS, so I'll keep her out of it. Only I was only going to give it to her because of the book thing, but she's also her head's not right, so I'm going to exclude her. Uh, to Sadim's sister for just like mm. not noticing the recorder and being like, "Oh yeah, little brother, go into the office for the fifteenth time yeah, today." I don't mind. That's a what the a big what the fuck. Yeah. Like if you're going to have a home office where you're talking to patients, I feel like you have to be. I would assume you have to be really careful about yeah. privacy yeah it's all super sensitive and i mean in turkey they're bound by the same like oath like the hippocratic oath or whatever and the, and the doctor patient confidentiality like it is in the states so it's not like i don't know there's no there's no laws about it or something yeah. it's the same everywhere else I... yeah all right well congratulations i guess i feel bad saying that to our sultan of success silly we hope um some dark things befall you in the next episode and thank you all so much for listening we will be talking next time about episode five where um hopefully we get some more answers we'll see thank you all again for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time